All right, by now, guys, you know I love talking about old wrestling. What you might not know is it's not my real passion. My real passion is helping people save money. My real passion is getting families out of apartments and into houses. My real passion is getting people's finances aligned so they can retire on time. I hated going to Walmart and seeing the greeter being 80 years old. She should not be working. She should be home. Why is she still working? Because she still has a mortgage. I want to help avoid that for you. The other thing I want to help you with, let's make sure your kids don't get saddled with student loans. If you've got a student loan, why did you get one? Maybe because your parents still had a mortgage. I'm not saying that to be fun. I'm being sincere. There's only so much money to go around. What I want to help you do is figure out where you are right now and where you want to be long-term. And I do it at SaveWithConrad.com. I've been doing mortgages for more than 20 years. And during all that time, we've helped tens of thousands of families change their life. I mean, routinely, we're helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, eight hundred bucks a month, but more importantly, get them out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. But if you don't think it can happen for you, let me just tell you this. We are not the bank. We don't say no. We say not yet, but here's how. We're going to get you a game plan on how to improve your credit, how to save a little bit of cash and how to get into that dream house. Maybe you're already in the house, but it would be nice if someday we could put a pool in the back or one day we want to upgrade the hardwood floors or remodel the kitchen or get a badass master bathroom. I can help you do all of that with no money out of pocket right now at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't help you save some cash, we won't waste your time. Check it out. SaveWithConrad.com, NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. And hey, y'all, don't take my word for it. Check us out. We've got an A-plus with the Better Business Bureau. And as if that's not enough, go look at our reviews. Read them and weep, haters. ConradReviews.com. You'll see more than a thousand five-star reviews. Our average review is 4.72 stars. Find out how much money you can save. Take control of your life in 2023 by taking control of your finances. We're going to show you how to keep more of your own money. If you've got credit card debt, what are you paying on that? 14%, 28%, you know you can do better. With the mortgage though, you may not know this, the interest you pay is tax deductible. And we can even show you how to skip your next two house payments. So if you can get a lower monthly payment, pay your debt off faster, get a greater tax deduction at the end of the year. And right now, right after the holidays, skip your next two payments. Buddy, this is the biggest no brainer in the history of the world. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at savewithconrad.com. Or hey man, shoot me an email directly. Conrad at savewithconrad.com. February 5th marks the 35th anniversary of one of the most memorable angles in wrestling history. An angle that had Hulk Hogan seeing double. There's two out there! Yes, the famous twin referee angle with brothers Earl and Dave Hepner that took place on the inaugural episode of Main Event with Andre the Giant pinning WWF champion Hulk Hogan. It would also mark Earl Hepner's WWF debut on February 5th at 8 p.m. Eastern, 35 years to the day, Ad-Free Show's members will get the opportunity to watch back this historic moment live alongside Earl Hefner in our latest premium watch-along event. All $29 level members and higher are invited, and Top Guy members will get to come up and ask Earl questions. Reserve your seat by signing up today at adfreeshows.com.
Hello and welcome to Grilling JR. This is Paul Bromwell. Yes, I'm in the captain's chair this week and I'm joined by the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. JR, how are you, my friend? I'm well. I'm well. Conrad's a little under the weather, but nothing serious. So uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to be here, uh, JR. It's been since August since you and I worked together. And we have our ad free shows family with us. Uh, by the way, this is a live recording. And so I see all the, their comments in the sidebar here. But, Jim, it's good to be here. Lots going on this weekend. You and I were just talking about it before we, we joined on. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the Royal Rumble. Did you get to check that out at all? I watched uh, uh, In and Out. Yeah, In and Out of it. I had company uh, here, so I didn't dwell on it. Uh, but I did watch good pieces of it and, uh, thought it was an amazing production. It, it this, this, the, uh, it looked great. It sounded good on my TV. And, uh, so it was a interesting event and certainly, uh, congratulate Cody, Cody Rhodes for winning it. It's not a huge surprise, but does that matter? Uh, he was the right guy for the job. And, and so there he is. And now he's going to be able to help the company, uh, build their way to WrestleMania in a few weeks. So I, I thought it was a good show. I thought it was a good show. I thought there were some moments in there. I thought it was, I thought it was interesting that they started out with the Royal rumble match for the men, uh, didn't have a problem with it. I thought it was an interesting way to start and it captured my attention right off the bat. So, uh, after that Royal rumble, I didn't watch a lot of it, uh, but I watched parts of it. So, but what I saw, I enjoyed. Yeah. Cody with the big win, but you got to talk about the other big win. I thought Gunther, I mean, my goodness, he starts at the beginning, makes it all the way to the end. And it was almost like another main event match watching him and Cody until Cody got it done. But it was fun to see him get a little bit of the shine too, in that match. JR. Oh yeah. And he was, a, he's a freak. Uh, and, and I uh, had a, had a hell of a night, no doubt about it. Probably the best night of his career ever. Uh, it's arguable to say that, uh, you know, Gunther was the MVP of that, uh, of that show. Cause you know, he went well over an hour, uh, but he's a, he's a lean, mean fighting machine. And there's no doubt about that. So, uh, hats off to him as well. So it's just great to see wrestlers having the opportunity on a major stage to succeed and their effort dictates their success. And, uh, if, if that is true, which I believe it to be, uh, Gunther had a hell of a night. He had a, he had a very successful night, even though he didn't win. It's one of those classic situations where the guy that goes over doesn't always get over. And on this scenario, I fully believe that, uh, Gunther got over, even though he didn't win the rumble. So, uh, he's, he's an interesting, uh, prospect. Great. I would expect great things for him, especially after uh, Saturday night. Well, we, uh, as we move forward from rumble, by the way, I got to say, I love seeing, uh, Pat McAfee back. There's just something that kid is, he is electric and from Western PA had a lot of fun listening to him and Corey Graves do their thing with Michael Cole on commentary. So I did want to say that as well, but fun all around show. Not only that, then we jumped into yesterday. I know you checked out some of those pl the playoff matchups. We have the super bowl set JR. It's the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, they're going to be taking on the Kansas city chiefs. Did you get to check out any of those games? Yeah, I did. I did the, uh, Eagles game, uh, which I had, a my investment in these games were Oklahoma players. Uh, you know, I'm, I don't live in Philly. Uh, I respect their team. Uh, you know, Lane Johnson's a friend of mine, been in my home in Oklahoma many times. Uh, so he was a former 
he came in there as a tight end and he got so damn big. They met him an offensive lineman and he was a third or fourth pick guy in a draft. <laughs> so big lane is having a, it's going to have some extra money, extra cheese on a swapper. <laughs> and that's cool. Uh, and then uh, in Kansas city, uh, their starting center, Creed Humphrey is an Oklahoma boy. Oh yeah. Who I know very well. And, uh, it's Shawnee, Oklahoma, same hometown as Brad Pitt, if that matters. And, uh, he, uh, he's starting and then Orlando Brown, number 57 is the starting left tackle. James Winchester in Kansas city is their long snapper. So, uh, you know, we got a, it's a, it's a pretty good little center reunion, I guess you could say. So for me, that's my, that's the, other than being the super bowl, the fact that those Oklahoma kids are getting a chance to play in the biggest game in their, in their world. So it's, it's pretty cool. So I haven't picked a got a pick yet. I'm going to see how everybody gets, how healthy Mahomes gets. It's the kind of the key in my view. Uh, Andy reads hard to beat in a big game where he's got two weeks to prepare. I, I can't say the same thing for the, for the Philadelphia coach. Cause I don't know him that well. I admire what he's done. He's done an amazing job rebuilding and refocusing the Eagles. And then of course they've got Jalen hurts. who played at OU. And, uh, so I, I'm, I got a lot of personal stakes in this super bowl coming up, but I think it's, it's going to match up really well. You got, there's a lot of star power. And so we'll see how it works out, but I think it's going to be a really exciting Super Bowl. No, absolutely. You said it. A lot of Oklahoma representation. You got the battle of the Kelseys, Travis and uh, and Jason. So that's going to be fun. Uh, Travis was spitting some spitting some fire last night, breaking into his rock impersonation, uh, <laughs> and uh, so uh, looking forward to hearing some of that. The press conferences should be a good Super Bowl. Let's at least hope for a good Super Bowl, right? We just want a good game, yeah, an entertaining good game. game. That's yeah. the main thing. You're right. Good games. All we're looking for. So I think we're going to get it. Yeah. Well, with all that out of the way, JR, we're here to discuss a big time moment in WWF's history. And we're here to talk about a game changer, if you will. And it is the radicals when they came to the WWF. And, uh, really the story is about the mat, their mass exodus from WCW and, uh, and transitioning over to the WWE to the WWF and, uh, Vince Russo, it really starts when he leaves the WWF to take over creative with WCW. And, uh, the running joke has always been that Russo was sent to WCW to destroy it and help the WWF. Were you keeping eyes on the product back then? Jr. when Russo did make that switch to WCW. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I pay attention. The, the, our business is small, so it'd be hard to ignore it. Uh, you know, I didn't, I don't want to say I watched every minute of every show they did. I didn't. Well, it was part of the time I was on the air, uh, doing raw, but, uh, yeah, I, I paid attention. I, I, fans have to understand that this is, we, we work in a very small universe. Uh, there are two companies right now that, uh, on a weekly basis with national television, uh, that are doing, you know, decent or good, whatever, however your term is a uh, business. So, uh, yeah, I paid attention. It's just. You just be paying attention just for the competitive information, or if you see something or somebody, uh, you know, uh, that's being underutilized that you have a chance to, to snatch up, uh, you jump on it. So yeah, I was paying attention. Yeah. And, uh, as far as how it all kind of was laid out, the narrative was always that Russo was going there. He was going to promote and push all these young guys. 
whether it was Benoit, Guerrero, et cetera. And then when Vince is informed that his removal's happening, he's off the booking team at WCW, these guys all rally around him. And uh, especially when it's announced that Kevin Sullivan's going to be taking his place. And uh, did you hear Russo uh, when, as far as the split was happening between Russo and WCW? I don't know what you mean. Did you hear that Russo and WCW were going to have the split as far as him being yanked uh, off? You hear the rumors? Yeah, the rumors are always out yeah. there. So you only put a, you know, put a lot of stock in them, quite frankly, but, uh, something like that, Russo being replaced, uh, upheaval, whatever, whatever the, the backlash on Kevin Sullivan, whatever it was, you know, that's just, that's out of their locker room, not out of mine. And so, you know, you just kind of loosely tag along because people got to remember, I had a lot more to do than simply, uh, doing Monday night raw. I was, I was in charge of a major division in the company. I think the most important division in the company is talent. Yeah. You can't do wrestling without talent and television. That's the two essentials. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was well, well aware, but I didn't obsess with it. Uh, Polly just to just, I had too much to do. Sure. And, and it's, a lot of that stuff was just dirt. Yeah. Just dirt. And some of it was just made up. Some of it was just somebody chasing, uh, clicks or what have you. So you don't get too wrapped up in it, quite frankly. Well, JR talk to us when it transitions away from dirt. And when you actually hear from these guys, do they reach out to you? When do you start to find out, Hey, these guys are interested in potentially making the jump. They want to get out of where they're at and would potentially like to work with, with us in WD. What does that look like that conversation? Well, the two guys that were the top of the list were Eddie and Benoit. Uh, and so I figured that because of the relationship, the four of them, the radicals had with each other, that my success might lie in making a package deal and bringing all four of them in and giving them jobs and paydays. And that's how it worked out. So I don't remember exactly the, who called me. Yeah. Uh, one of the four, it wasn't, it wasn't Saturn. It, it might've been, uh, it might've been, uh, Eddie. I'm not real sure. And and they were all buddies with Jericho too. Do you remember him? If he played a part and maybe connecting the dots a little bit as far as well, when I got a little pushback because of the guy's size, you know, you notice that all four of the radicals run under six feet tall and to hire four guys with paying on main event money that are under six feet tall was very unusual for a uh, WWE at that time. So, uh, you know, uh, Benoit was, a, or excuse me, uh, Jericho was a big proponent of those cats. Look, all of us were, Yeah. you're a wrestling fan and you could, you could have, you had vision where you could look at their matches. Uh, anybody would be. So I didn't have the, the under six feet deal was a non-issue to me. And that's how I sold it. And I had to defend that decision to hire those four guys to some on the creative staff, uh, because they perceived they were kind of brainwashed, I guess that you have to be six, three and you got to weigh over two fifty and, or whatever, and just throwing numbers out there, but you get the general drift. Uh, and it was just, it wasn't, it was unnecessary. So I had to stand on my, my instincts on that one, because I knew that getting, you know, Malenko is an, is an amazing talent. He's done a great job in AEW as I wrote it as an agent, uh, producer, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but the, the two stars that had the biggest upside, which we saw culminate at WrestleMania 20 were Eddie and Benoit. 
two of the best in the world. So if I can hire four quality talents, two of them being two of the very best in pro wrestling anywhere, then why wouldn't I be aggressive in doing that and, and stand my ground and not be talked down that, Hey, these guys are too small. Uh, you know, Vince is good about that. He, his theory would be to have bigger guys, but he trusted my judgment and had a pretty good track record of hiring talent. And so he, he went along with it and we needed new stars and we needed guys that could work. And so, uh, and, and, and we got all those things, uh, with, uh, with these sport hires. Well, listen, WCW wasn't done. They weren't just going to throw the talent on these guys. They wanted to throw a hail Mary and they tried that, uh, at, uh, sold out pay-per-view. So they had, uh, the vacant WCW world title. They, uh, with Chris Benoit, they put him over in a match against Sid vicious, hoping they would convince the talent to stick around. Uh, it fails miserably. Jr. They have Benoit make Sid tap out Sid's foot's under the rope. Uh, so they have an out, uh, but man, the next night on nitro, Chris Benoit walks into nitro with his friends and tells B bill Bush, I want my release. I'm done. I've had it. I'm out of here. Uh, and it's just not him that wants his release. Eddie Guerrero, who was making his return to WCW from an injury, and Dean Malenko as well. And, you know, as we said, these guys aren't the top paid guys. They aren't the Hollywood Hogan's or the NWO's. But as you were just saying, JR, they're good quality talents. Yeah. And that's in the opinions of a lot of people. And they just never got their chance. And that's exactly why I'm sure you and the WWF were looking to bring them in at this point. That's part of my sales pitch. You want to play. You want to get on the big stage. You want to potentially get to WrestleMania at some point in time in your career. Uh, here's your ticket. Here's how you achieve those things. If those things aren't important to you and you're only here for the cash, uh, then we may have more to discuss, but, uh, these guys wanted an opportunity. They wanted that famous McMahon opportunity. And, and, uh, when we, when I got clearance to hire them, I knew that Vince was okay with everything about those guys. And, and he helped me sell it to other people when he bought in everybody, all the dissension, or I don't want to say dissension, but all the, dis, the discussion, uh, regarding their size, et cetera, et cetera. It was, uh, it just, it just evaporated. So it was good. It was really good. Jerry, I want to talk a little bit about the, uh, economics of all this, the transition. Uh, there's some comments from the observer too. We'll get into Benoit. I think he was making a touch over $350,000 in WCW in 1999. And, uh, Eddie Guerrero was paid 500,000 in 99. Uh, and so that's that. How much is money a part of the conversation? Do you recall those conversations, uh, when looking to bring them over? Yeah. Uh, we didn't pay them that much money. Cause they were going to be on the road working house shows and had a chance to get, stay booked and productive and, and uh, increase their, their worth. So we didn't pay them as much, but that same thing could be said. I didn't pay Chris Jericho, uh, what he was making in WCW, but I told him he will make more money, but you got to trust me. So trust comes into to factor at some point in time. And I'm sure that Chris, uh, had, with his experience in WWE. Uh, was able to chat with those guys and tell them, Hey, he's telling you the truth. There's a chance here that you can make a lot more money, staying healthy, staying out of trouble and going out and doing your thing, what you're really good at. So, uh, I, I, it was, it was, the money was never a big issue because I knew that we would get them on TV. Uh, their performances would speak for themselves. 
and I'd have them booked on the road. Cause I could, that was my, part of my area as well. Booking the house shows live events. So that's, that's where we were with that deal. Money was not the determining factor. Was it important? Of course it was important. They had to make a living. They got to pay their mortgages. They got to do all those things that, that people do in normal life. But, uh, we made sure that those issues were addressed comfortably and, uh, moved on. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Yeah, Melcher said uh, it's believed Benoit received in the neighborhood of four hundred thousand on a downside guarantee, and the other three in the two hundred and fifty thousand dollar range. It really isn't a major issue this year because WWF business is huge, and there are no signs of it not remaining that way. Exactly what you said, Jr. Virtually every WWF wrestler this past year earned significantly more than their downside. In the case of all four, the downside figure would be significantly less than they earned in WCW. But to your point, they're all going to be well taken care of with yeah. just the business that WWF was doing in, in, in this time period. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, money was not, uh, Polly, a, a major issue. It, it was, it was not a stumbling block. Once we found a number that those guys could live with and that we could live with, then uh, let's roll. There you go. So, so that's what we did. So they're all paid. They're taken care of. Money's not a factor. It's written in Eddie's book that Benoit offered to drop the WCW title on Nitro, but they were all sent home instead. Is that something JR as head of talent relations at the time that you would have done in that situation? Well, it's hard to say. Uh, if a guy comes to me and says, I want out and I want to leave and they're, uh, hell bent on such, uh, uh, thoughts, then I probably would have had them work. Uh, but there's a, there's a danger in working and turning the title back in, uh, they get injured. Now you're stuck with a big ass contract and they're, and I, if they're get injured, I ain't going to hire them. Yeah. So I mean, why you're damaged goods right now. So it just didn't make any common sense. So uh, I probably would have just let it go. Quite frankly, just move on. Yeah. Cut, cut, cut your losses and move on. And, and by the way, Jr. it's reported in the observer that there were 15 to 20 wrestlers and all who were looking to leave WCW. Perry Saturn was supposedly the loudest about his, uh, unhappiness. And, but what I want to do is kind of just have a little fun here, discuss some other talent that didn't make the jump or maybe didn't ask for a release. Uh, and I, I want to go through some names with you. First of all, here's the list. Shane Douglas, it's reported that Shane asked for his release, but found out quickly that the WWF was not interested in him. So JR, was it you that wasn't interested? Was Vince still not over what happened when he was with the company as Dean Douglas? I don't know. Vince was never high on Shane for whatever reason. Uh, you know, the, the expert in, in wrestling that, that had the most confidence in Shane Douglas was Jim Barnett. Barnett thought he was a stereotype or a classic baby face, blonde hair, blue eyes, good size. But for whatever reason, Vince was never sold on Shane. So that didn't go anywhere. 
All right, next up, JR, Billy Kidman, someone who would come into the company when WCW closes at the time, really had no push outside of the cruiserweight division. Was he someone you think could have uh, made the move and been successful? Maybe, but we weren't doing much with, this, with the cruiserweights. And Billy was a small, smaller guy, highly talented, highly talented. Uh, and I think he's still there, I think. I think he works in an agent know, role. Yeah, agent type thing. He's a smart yeah. kid. So, uh, I used to call him the biggest overachiever in the world because he married Tori Wilson. Yeah. Oh my goodness. What are you thinking? Whew. So, uh, anyhow, uh, but Billy had all the, he checked a lot of boxes. There's no doubt about that. And we did use him some, but, uh, we just weren't, we're, we're not prioritizing our budget to hire more cruiserweights. All right. I got another one for you here. Conan Conan had long been unhappy in WCW, but he never, uh, we never saw him in the WWF after, uh, even after WCW closed out, did Conan just not fit the world wrestling federation? Do you think Jr. Cause his, his previous tenure in the company was max moon. And, right. uh, and that was it. I have great respect for Charles, AKA Conan. He's a, has a brilliant mind. Was a hell of a worker when he's healthy. Uh, great star, but we couldn't find, or we didn't, maybe we didn't look hard enough. We didn't, we couldn't find something that we thought would be a great fit for what he would need to be happy, including money and a place on the card and things like that. You got to remember he's an established veteran. who was a star. He drew a lot of money, uh, in Mexico and he drew money in America, uh, et cetera, wherever he went, he, he had, he had good runs. But, uh, I, you know, he would have been great to have around because he could help the guys, but, uh, Vince just wasn't, uh, just wasn't excited about that concept, that idea. All right, JR final three names. And I think you kind of already answered this when you talk about the cruiserweight and not a focus on it at the time, but you have Hooven to Guerrero psychosis and Ray Mysterio. It's reported that Conan told WCW that he represented all three of these guys and they were ready to leave with them. And as you said, they didn't have a cruiserweight division at the time, but do you think that the audience or Vince was ready at all for something like these guys in 2000? Well, we were ready for Ray Mysterio. But Ray Mysterio had when when Ray when they closed down they they owed Ray a lot of money, they meaning WCW pronoun boy, and uh, so you know Ray was a star. Uh, it didn't matter. He, he, he was and Vince always had this idea, and guys that are listening to this that are were in the company at that time or around it knew Vince always had this idea to do a uh, Mighty Mouse type character this smaller than average guy that overcomes all the obstacles with being resourceful and fast and so forth. Uh, but he was making, uh, I think Ray was making North of 500 grand and, uh, we weren't going to go there. Uh, he could make more than that. And he did all the time. He's seven figure guy, but he was, when he was healthy, he was, he was booked on the, on the live events. So we always had, we always had thoughts for Ray but not for the group, but Ray was a different breed of cat. No doubt about it. And he would, uh, become a, a superstar as they say in the wrestling business and, uh, love Ray Mysterio. Listen, Jr. the wait is over because it's time to share with our audience, the perfect pairing for Jr.'s all purpose seasoning. And I'm talking about steakhouse quality meat from backyard butcher. JR, I'm talking steak, chicken, and pork, all 
with free shipping. I know you and I both had some uh, backyard butcher shipped to our house. JR, did you get to try it? Did you get to check it out? Yeah, and I shared it with my housekeeper and uh, who else? Somebody, another friend, two lady friends. And uh, nice. Yeah, well, you know, got to keep I, yourself I have, busy. I have to do my grilling in, in, the, in the kitchen because my condo complex here on the beach doesn't allow grills inside or on the patios. So I've had to adjust how I prepare the steaks, but in any preparation, these steaks are special. I don't think I've ever had a steak as tender, as juicy, uh, and my my guests that were uh, asked to taste test uh, were extremely, extremely pleased. So it's it's a it's a real deal, folks. There's a lot of meat companies out there, but uh, if you haven't tried this one, you owe it to yourself. If you're a carnivore. And like Paulie said, you get chicken there and you get pork. Yes. But those steaks are the main event. It's it's steakhouse quality. JR's is is telling the truth. Bulk meat specials, they're responsibly sourced from American farms, delivered right to your door. It doesn't get much better than that, guys. And for a limited time, Backyard Butchers offers our listeners 15% off, free shipping, and four free ribeyes for life. That's right, for life with every subscription. Can you imagine opening up a box of high quality steak and being able to recreate that steakhouse experience like JR did for his lady friends right there in your own kitchen? That's what I'm talking about. And they shipped, they shipped us a variety, as I said, of burgers and steaks, and it was delicious. The best part right now, they cut out the middleman, the grocery stores, and you gotta love that. It's a hundred percent American beef. And uh, by the way, JR, the big kicker in all this, the folks at Backyard Butchers are wrestling fans, buddy. They like all the wrestling moves. They love to support wrestling. So let's do our job and support them as well. Get your hands on some of the best steak, chicken, and seafood you'll ever taste and take your next steak night to an event to remember. Here's how you can do it. Visit BackyardButchers.com and use promo code JR to get 15% off your order. Again, free shipping, four free ribeyes for life. That's BackyardButchers.com and use promo code JR to get 15% off your order and free shipping and four free ribeyes for life. And then you break out that JR seasoning and douse those steaks, right, JR? Yeah, all-purpose seasoning is just perfect on the steaks. That's what we used. Uh, but I, I, I was, I'm a very, uh, I'm a carnivore snob. I like steak. I don't like bad steak. Uh, I don't like tough steak. I like juicy, fresh steaks, and that's exactly what I got here. It, uh, quite frankly, uh, backyard butchers exceeded my expectations. I didn't know it was going to be that good. But it was really that good. I'll never be without them in my freezer. There you go. You heard it right there from the voice of wrestling. From uh, Check them out, backyardbutcher.com. So, JR, once the guys walk out of Nitro, uh, Eddie would write this in his book. I want to share it with you. He said, one of the WCW road agents got pissed off and threatened to slice our throats. Yes, this is real. He was just talking out of anger, uh, of anger, I'm sorry, but it allowed us to go to Turner's human resources department and say, look, one of your employees threatened to kill us. If we left either take out the no compete stipulation in our contracts, or we're going to sue needless to say, Chris Dean Perry and I were all given full unconditional releases and we were officially free agents. Did you ever hear the story? That's where I, that's where I came in. 
<laughs> yeah, but did you ever hear the story about Mike Graham? Supposedly this was, was you all. You know, I haven't. Uh, yeah. I haven't. Again, that's keeping up with the dirt. And, uh, well, you know, I, I have a busy life. I got you. I ain't got time to fucking read the observer cover to cover and what is happening here and, and who's happy, who's unhappy. Uh, you know, we, we didn't, that didn't alter our plans. We thought that all four of those guys could come in and contribute in varying levels based on their skill set and obviously based on how they would be creatively booked. So, uh, that's all, that's all I was really concerned about. And, uh, you know, if it was, if it was Mike Graham that did that, that was a terrible error in judgment. You don't do that. You, you get, you took the bite out of your company's hands. Now they, they these four guys who you didn't want to walk because you knew where they were walking to. You knew their destination. Uh, <coughs> they, uh, you know, you open yeah, the got, door. they have all the leverage now. <laughs> they had all the leverage. They opened, right. you opened the door and it, it benefited us because the thing about it is, is that after threatening a lawsuit, you're generally not welcome back. So they eliminated one of their viable options in WCW, at least in my eyes, uh, which left it wide open for us and it helped our negotiation. There you go. So JR, it happens. And that sounds like some old school territorial, uh, stuff. Well, you know, we'll slit your throat kind of thing and wh whatever it is it had happened and they were able to use it to, to leverage it for their, uh, ability to get out of their contracts and to show up for you guys. And that's exactly what they did. And, uh, JR, do you remember exactly what it looked like as far as them signing that dotted line, the meeting where it took place, how it all went down when I signed on to WWE. Yeah. Pretty much, uh, a standard bill affair. There you go. Didn't try to change things. I mean, we had a system. It was working. Uh, why busted up for those four guys or any other four guys? Uh, Cause we are, our system was fair. It's, it's all about cash and creative. I could, I could handle their cash needs and uh, make them happy, but I couldn't do much about the creative other than selling my boss that these guys are going to draw money. And, uh, that creates a lot of interesting new matches and, uh, doing so much television, being able to create new matches with talents that are skilled and can carry a main event level match or spot, uh, is hard to come by. Well, JR Eddie did document kind of how it worked out in his book. So I'm going to read another little excerpt out of uh, Eddie's book. He said the very next day I was playing golf when Dean called, Hey man, We've got to go up north to meet with Vince McMahon. I ran straight home, changed clothes, and headed to the airport. <laughs> you talked about how uh, you brought them in right away to Vince. Was there fear you'd miss out on these guys? Maybe, hey, could they go to Japan? Could they go to ECW? Could they go otherwhere? Or were you feeling pretty good? Hey, I, I feel like we have a, a, a good opportunity with these guys. Well, now. I didn't want those other organizations, uh, those other entities, to interfere hmm. with, with the progress. You know, uh, timing's everything. And events is hot on, and I told those guys that. I said he's he's ready to book you guys. He's excited about the opportunity. He sees money, uh, but it takes two to tango. So I, I'll try to address all your financial needs as best I can. Uh, but I can't pay you what on a downside guarantee what WCW was paying you because that was like a salary. This this is your deal. This is what you make. Well, I, we had still had that old school, uh, you know, you get paid on productivity, tickets sold, houses being booked, staying healthy, all those things, just like a territory. And so that's, that's, uh, 
that's how I looked at that scenario. It just don't, don't slow me down. I got the owner excited about doing something. That's right. And let's not, let's not jeopardize that emotion because it's going to hurt you guys in the long haul and there's no reason for it. Uh, Dave chimes in from the observer. He says there were indications given by WWF through intermediaries, although no direct contact because of tampering laws that if the wrestlers were given full releases, that they would take some of them, but there were not initial positive reactions regarding all of them. Going as a group would give WWF a strong interpromotional type of angle where all could be utilized well, as opposed to individually person by person, where some on their own may not be strong WWF types. Right. So was the message ever conveyed that you know of JR, that you only wanted the four that end up coming in that, it, you know, that if you would force the WWF, WWF to take say Shane Douglas as part of the package, you wouldn't be interested. No, we weren't interested in Shane at that time. And, and we had the four guys, we, we spotlighted, highlighted four guys and that's the four that we took and that's the four that we signed and that's the four that we wanted. Uh, you know, I, I'd love to have had Conan on the roster. It just wasn't in the cards. Shane Douglas, for whatever reason, this past history, I guess, uh, was not, uh, a viable consideration. Was is Shane or was Shane a, a, a hell of a hand? Of course he was. And would he have fit in? There's no doubt about it, but it was, a, that was a decision that came from the chairman. Uh, and I just relayed the message in that situation. Well, JR also from the observer and man, does this ring true almost a year later when WCW actually is bought out by the WWF, uh, bringing the entire crew in as a group could lead to an interpromotional angle for WWF, which would create a lot of interest and heat if handled correctly, since those angles done right, almost always works, but it's also questionable if they are even thinking in that direction because WWF has dropped the ball in the past when that opportunity presented itself, because it would require acknowledging another company as a storyline equal, at least at first to get maximum value with wrestlers who work a different style and are a smaller group, uh, you know, and are, are smaller. Uh, wow. Talk about seeing into the future a little bit there, huh? JR. Yeah, a little bit, I guess, I guess a great, great talent, right? Cream rises. I know it's cliche. If you're good enough, you'll make it simple as that. It's not about, okay, well, we, we thought you were going to make it, but we measured you and you're only five, eight. That don't happen. That don't happen. It may happen in a, in somebody's private discussion, but it, it, but in normal business, uh, uh, ongoing business, it doesn't happen. So, uh, you know, I, I, I thought we got the four guys who wanted, so they were at the top of our recruiting board and we got all four of them. Listen, those guys uh, came on board. They were ready to do their thing, ready to travel up and down the roads with the WWF, and they made a big impact. But JR, I want to pause right now and talk about something fun. We talk about travel, and I want to bring to you a whole new family opportunity of building memories year-round. You like to make memories with the family, don't you, JR? Sure. I'm talking about Camper Max, guys, specializing in max discounted pricing on travel trailers and fifth wheel RVs delivered anywhere in the lower 48. That's right, from your office, cell phone or couch, click or call and find out how easy it is to start enjoying the RVing lifestyle. How easy is it? The Camper Max discount will fit any budget, offering easy financing with extended terms. It's just too easy. Maybe you want to go on that big wrestling trip. 
Maybe you're the coach, the Wolfpack, John Hickson and the guys, and you want to go to that next AEW pay-per-view. You don't need to rent a car, rent a camper. And you can do that by going to CamperMax.com. That's C-A-M-P-E-R-M-A-X-X.com or call 256-320-7033, home of the Max Discount. JR, sounds like a, a fun time, man, renting an RV and enjoying that lifestyle, doesn't it? Yeah, I've had a driver. There you, you don't go. Want my, you don't want my fat, blind ass uh, driving. <laughs> but, but, but the, but the uh, camper lifestyle is great. Freedom, flexibility. You can go where you want to go and live. You got a, you got a bathroom. There you go. It's clean. You got a kitchen. It just uh, makes a lot of sense if you got... Especially if you get more than one person traveling, uh, takes care of hotel bills and things of that nature. I just think it's great. But, uh, and I like the fact of how they got it set up. You don't have to buy one necessarily to enjoy the, uh, uh the, the, uh, the benefits of it. Yeah. Yeah. The benefits. Thank you. Yeah. So it's a good deal. And this guy's a friend of Conrad's. So if anybody's a friend of Conrad, they're a friend of ours. And, That's right. And, uh, so there's trust involved. So keep that in mind. That's right. And uh, listen, I know we're dealing with the winter months now, but summer's approaching. Perfect time to take your family out and see some of the some of the good old USA. And you can do that with Camper Max. And by the way, if you're looking to purchase a motorhome, hang in there because uh, Rod is working on that now. Rod at Camper Max is working on the whole motorhome deal. So hang in there. But again, they're specializing in max discounted pricing on travel trailers and fifth wheel RVs delivered anywhere in the lower 48. Visit CamperMax.com or call 256-320-7033. All right, JR. Well, listen, it's reported that WCW does attempt to get them back after Nitro, but you had already made the moves. It's already done to get them in the WWF at this point. Uh, so there you go. WCW sends the four soon to be named radicals along with Shane Douglas and Conan. Uh, they send them releases on January 19th and that allows them to start with the WWF as of February 1st, as long as they don't say anything publicly, uh, disparaging about WCW and agree not to sue WCW at the end of the day, WCW, I guess, didn't really want them back. Did they? It seemed like it did. It didn't no. seem like it. They were influenced by size, uh, and, uh, because you can't logically evaluate these four men and not come up with the sane conclusion that they're all extremely talented. They're main event level guys put into the right scenario. They're main event level guys case in point. Your honor is WrestleMania 20. Look who's standing in the ring at the That's end right. of the night. Uh, our two guys, two of our four that we signed. And so I, uh, and, and they got a great, uh, it was a great ovation in the locker room. I'm told by the time I got there, it may have subsided somewhat, but once those guys got back to the uh, locker room area, uh, they, uh, were greeted very warmly because the talents back there knew what they had to overcome to get these opportunities primarily their size. And, uh, so I, I was, that was heartwarming to me. So it also said that we made the right choice. We hired the right guys because that was a moment in the garden at that WrestleMania 20 that, uh, 
I, I still vividly remember. And so it was a special night to say the least. And, and four deserving guys ended up getting opportunities that the heretofore they would not have received. JR, uh, I did find an interesting nugget in the research from the observer. I got to bring it up. I know you've talked a little bit about the reasoning as far as why, uh, at this time you weren't interested in Shane Douglas. Uh, but here, I'm going to read this to you. Shane Douglas called Steve Austin to get word to Vince McMahon. If McMahon was interested and was given a response that there was interest, if he was willing to forget his previous tenure in the company, uh, Douglas said he got indirect word from WWF to sign his release and begin negotiating, but his lawyer told him to do absolutely nothing that would breach their WCW contract and to not sign their release. Do you remember Stone Cold ever telling you about this conversation? Yeah, of course. And they're friends back from back in the day. It still comes down to one guy I didn't want him there. What's what's so hard for everybody to understand about that? The chairman of the board did not see money in Shane Douglas at that time. And I'm sure that past, uh, business dealings adversely affected that decision, but nonetheless, uh, it, it, it just wasn't to be, we, we, and we discussed it a lot, but it was just, uh, I guess the fear of the baggage being uh, creating negative, you don't want to bring negative into your locker room and the perception. And I stress the word perception was that that's what we've been getting, uh, cause Shane was very intelligent very outspoken, uh, and that was a, a, an issue. So it just wasn't to be, we, we had four guys Paulie, on our, on our radar, four of them, and we signed all four of them. I'd say we did pretty good. I don't know what we missed by not signing two or three indiscriminate other guys, uh, decent talents. Yeah. Are they going to headline WrestleMania like Eddie and Benoit? Nope. They're not right. JR from the observer here, as we continue to go through kind of the negotiations and the transition, the group was told to keep it quiet and all four cut off most communication with almost everyone in wrestling, including Martin, who, by the way, that's uh, Shane Douglas, uh, for those, uh, listening, which led the major disappointment by the end of the week, they met with McMahon and Jim Ross and pretty well came to terms, but were told to keep everything quiet. According to Martin, Shane Douglas, when he got word on one twenty-two that the other four were in Connecticut. He didn't believe it. He called Simon on his cell phone, was told he was in Florida staying with his brother, but then said he was given word they were staying at the Weston Hotel in Stanford. And when he called the hotel, all four were registered. Simon called him back the next day, but again denied he was in Connecticut and claiming he had no idea how all the names were registered guests. Others close to the situation confirmed they were there for a meeting and were told to keep it quiet and even to get out rumors they uh, didn't get a deal they liked. Apparently because McMahon still believed he could make their debut a surprise if they swerved people into thinking they were coming back. Did these guys try to kayfabe Douglas here and were they instructed to do so by they you? Followed, and the no, Pauly, they followed orders. Yeah. They were instructed what to do. Now, what is hard to figure out about that? You're a businessman. You're a parent. What's so fucking hard to figure out that they were told by the most powerful man in their business. Let's keep this under wraps. We have plans. And so that's what they did. They just, they just simply followed a booking direction and it's just not hard to figure out to me. And look, they, those four guys are not loyal to Shane Douglas. Yeah. It sounds, yeah, right. They, they had to take feed their own families and take care of their own of business. Right. They'd take care of themselves. And that's just the nature of wrestlers they are inherently insecure 
and, uh, and, and they need, I guess a little peace of mind. Sure. And maybe, maybe those four guys thought that Shane was not going to contribute to their peace of mind. Hell, I don't know. Well, I know that they're not going to go out on the limb for Shane Douglas or anybody, or to make it clear, anybody else, they were just trying to get restarted in a company where they could make a lot of money and they did make a lot of money. This is not hard to figure out to me. Sure. Let's move on from, uh, Shane Douglas. Obviously we know the narrative and how that all worked out and played out there outside of their size. Jr. with these four individuals, did you have to sell Vince on them at all in any other way? Not really. Uh, you know, we had, there was enough guys in a company that when the, when those, the, the word got out and it always does, unfortunately, uh, you might not want to be in a foxhole get, that gets overtook taken by the, by the enemy because your foxhole buddy might talk. That's kind of, <laughs> I look at that deal. Uh, but, um, no, I'm thinking trying to think where I was. That's something I was going to say, but, uh, yeah, we were just talking about as far as like just selling them to Vince. It seems no, like, that, no, he, yeah. we'd already, I'd already sold them to Vince when I, okay. by the time I, I had not sold them to Vince, Paulie, why would I signed them? It makes no sense. So I made sure he signed off before I uh, closed the deal. And the good news is Chris Jericho had really paved the way for guys like this to come over. If you think about it. Yeah. Size already, wise. Yeah, he yeah. did. He did. And, and he was one of the guys, as we pr talked about previously, that was always spoke very highly of those four guys, especially Dean and, and, uh, uh, Eddie and Chris, he didn't say bad things about Perry. It's just that Perry wasn't as high on the popularity pole in that foursome as uh, the other three. JR, were you uh, involved at all in the creative and how they were going to be coming in as far as that whole discussion, what the plan was? I backed out of that deal. I don't know. That's not my area of expertise. It can be, it could be, but it isn't. Uh, and purposely, uh, we had a staff to, to handle that. And the other thing you have to remember, Paul, is I have Vince's ear. So I could talk to Vince about if I saw creative that I didn't understand, or it was a little bit of a head scratcher, or I thought might be weak, then, uh, you know, it's, uh, I could speak to him about it. The decision maker, not a team member, but this, the decision maker, if I chose to take that route and I did a few times, uh, but I had to express myself and I had to tell him the truth. You don't get much trouble folks. If you tell the truth. And you damn sure don't have to remember what you said to somebody if you always tell them the truth. So, uh, that's kind of how I looked at that. It was just, it was just a signing these four guys to me is no brainer. You know, they're quality veterans. They're good travelers, you know, as a rule. Now people are going to go back in this conversation and say, well, yeah, well, what about Eddie? They found him dead. And what about Benoit? He, what he did at the end of his life was horrific. All those are true, but it didn't mean it didn't, but it didn't have any effect on my decision-making because it hadn't happened. I can't tell the future. So uh, it, I was always, when, when Ben just killed his family, of course, how do you forgive that? I can't, I knew Nancy very well and, and little Daniel very well since he was a baby. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I, I had, I never forgave Chris Benoit for his 
last hours on earth. And I also understand there were apparently reasons, CTE type reasons that he was, uh, had that con that he, he did what he did. Uh, but I, I divorced myself from all that stuff. It's just not something I care to, you know, I'd rather think about WrestleMania 18 where everybody's talking about Hogan and rock. Uh, the night before Jan and I had dinner with Nancy and Chris. And, uh, I think about those days occasionally because it was a fun evening and he was good. And you know, all that was just, it was just, uh, one, one of those crazy ass things. But, uh, and then Eddie's situation, there's been things taking place. Uh, and I think the rest of the wrestling business should be applauded. The, the Andes have a hard time doing it because they can't afford it. But man, you got to watch that blood pressure and, and make sure your all your vitals are cool. Uh, cause you just never know. You really just didn't never know. And we had no idea that Eddie had a heart issue. So now things have changed in WWE. They probably got one of the top medical, uh, uh, facets of their, uh, uh in the, in the world, in their business. Uh, I don't know anybody that's got any better. AEW has got a full time doctor. Dr. Sampson's always at, uh, our events and on, he's always there Wednesday. He, he sees over the, uh, you know, dynamite and uh, rampage rampage. Hmm. Uh, that's your show, man. Oh yeah. Friday nights, 10 o'clock Eastern, uh, this week, as you many know, it'll be coming from, uh, the Nutter center in Dayton, Ohio. I had, I've had some fun in that building. We've called some good matches, some big matches there. I think we're in the Nutter Center, the next pay-per-view after WrestleMania nine. And, uh, I, little did I know that was my, I was being futured out, uh, and that's topic for another day, but in, in any event, uh, I, I, uh, I had a, I had a, I had a, a good run there and, and the old Nutter Center famous basketball arena. Yeah. Uh, for that part of the world. There you go. Well, listen, uh, you, uh, I know you said you weren't involved in, in a lot of the creative decisions at all, but they came up with this name for the group, the radicals. Do you remember where, who came up with that? The idea for that? No, Any, somebody creative, somebody yeah. creative. Don't matter who. Yeah. It worked out. Okay. Was it the greatest name in the world? Hell, I don't know. Yeah. How do you determine that? Yeah. It's subjective. It's it a is. creative idea. There are no bad ideas. So it was the uh, one that was chosen. And it was the one they debuted with and you rolled uh, with it. The talent seemed to be happy with it. Yeah. It's simple, plain, easy to present. So, uh, yeah, it was, I had no problem with it. Let's get into some Jim Ross stuff. Cause I like some Jim Ross stuff here on the JR show. I think that's apropos. That's, in, that's an interesting concept, isn't it? Uh, from the observer, Jim Ross in his weekly report. Oh, love those weekly reports claimed that negotiations between both sides had broken down. It was widely reported everywhere by Monday that the four would be debuting on raw in Pittsburgh that day. So finally, a few hours before the show, WWF.com relented and did say they were going to be on the show. So do you think was this just, Hey, let's uh, play with the audience a little bit. We're not sure if they're coming in. Is it, you know, obviously there's a lot going on here. You're balancing a, a website work. Yeah. It was creative. Okay. The work buddy simple as that it, see i'm it, still it, i'm still sold on it that's how good it, it was it created work. it created talk 
Yeah. And I think that was kind of the, the goal T- tune in talk. If you think, and we're not going to go too deep into this promotion, uh, unless it's going to happen, but it basically sets up the guys to, you know, help, help pop a rating out of curiosity. And then, and then what you, what we were able to do was deliver. They're all for their ringside. It's a buzz, Jr. You guys were creating a massive buzz, That's and uh, Eddie would write in his book that he knew immediately how different the WWF was to WCW with a more professional workspace. Did they convey that to you at all, Jr.? Did they say, "Hey, man, this is night and day"? Did all the time, anything? yeah, all the time. They were so happy because they felt stability, you know. Uh, and I, I appreciated to hear that. So they were having a good experience. And, uh, and they had no second thoughts about being hired. Had to be refreshing for them. Uh, again, next chapter of their lives and, uh, it sounded like they were excited and ready to go. Mick Foley, by the way, who Foley is pod. You can find him here on ad free shows, killing it with his podcast. He'd go out of his way behind the camera, uh, to be associated with these guys. And it felt like he was the perfect person to be there for it, for them. Well, Mick's the goodwill ambassador and there you see that that's a cool picture. I haven't seen that picture before. I don't think, or maybe I have forgot about it. Uh, but you know, Mick was, uh, he's, he's the, the perpetual goodwill ambassador. <laughs> he, he is. And, uh, from the observer J, uh, Jr. It says Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Perry Saturn, and Eddie Guerrero debuted as the radicals on January 31st at raw from Pittsburgh. And what was considered a Big push in JR's words. Yeah. They got their push buddy from the get go. Well, they got aware. They met they, were, they We created an awareness of them. We created an awareness of the four. We created an awareness for the radicals, uh, at that unit. And I think that was the entire goal of that first, uh, of that first appearance on raw in Pittsburgh. It was a, it, the audience was very, uh, and Pittsburgh, uh, they really sold that well. They were excited to see those four guys. They were excited to see a new group. You know, I think uh, wrestling fans in general, we've talked yes. about this. They love surprises, uh, and uh, they seem to have a turn on for uh, well-constructed factions, shall we say? And so they saw something that they thought, which is great because they they're buying the tickets. If they thought there were value in the radicals, just by seeing them sitting on the front row, uh, that's a good sign. GR wrestling fans were turned on. They, they came down, sat front row. They looked like top guys, primetime players, uh, right from the get go. How excited were they when the show was over? Do you remember the kind of their excitement level or everybody's excitement level for them? Yeah, they were, they were happy. They were happy. They were glad to get the kind of the monkey off their back and get on television, start hit the reset button, but they were very positive. All of them, they're having good experiences and they were due those good experiences. Did, uh, do you remember any kind of reaction at all from Vince at that point after that first night? He seemed to be happy. He seemed to be happy. He saw that the audience had a, a more, a, a keener awareness of these guys than, uh, he might've perceived. I'm not sure. Cause he didn't watch a lot of wrestling like none. And so he wasn't as familiar with their recent works as, uh, some others. 
But I think sometimes looking back at that thing, I think a lot of the talent, you know, when you had talents that were going to the, the old man and saying, I want to work with Benoit, I want to work with Eddie or whatever, let's do a, you know, their faction against my faction or whatever the case may be. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, that's a good, that's a real good, uh, indicator that we hit the right accord, so to speak. Well, uh, this from the observer as a debut, the first night was strong and that the entire show revolved around them and they were put over in commentary as the best wrestling talent around probably more in one night than they were ever in WCW. And it was made clear they were underutilized in WCW, thus playing into the idea. They were bigger stars than the level that they had been pushed at. They didn't acknowledge or hint at Benoit having won the WCW title and never losing it. No doubt due to the political and perhaps even legal ramifications of giving context credibility for what has been argued elsewhere as nothing more than a prop as part of the story that shouldn't be uh, meant to take seriously by immediately taking out the top heels. They were presented as major league players, uh, their departure from WCW while, while not gone into great detail was vaguely talked about as if the audience all knew the story which is still talking to only a portion of the television audience. The WWF got in their digs with remarks about performing in front of arenas that aren't empty and fans who actually bought their tickets. <laughs> Listen, they were never presented like this JR and WCW. So this is a shot across the bow to the other talent in WCW to be like, Hey, look, see what you're missing. This is what could be done for you. Right? Well, that was general. That was a, a general concept. Yeah, sure. Hey, look, uh, if they did it and they're happy, why don't you call them, find out that they're happy, see how their experiences with, uh, WWE thus far has gone. And, uh, cause the wrestlers that want you there, uh, are the best salesmen you got. They know they're going to hear a sales pitch from me. They know they're going to hear a sales pitch from Vince. If he wants you, uh, and so it was just, you know, talking to the talent was. I think a huge win for us because they came in and, and, and Vince did essentially devote the entire two hour show to those guys. And that's just unheard of. Yeah. Well, Jr. at least creatively at this point, and again, we're looking at a microcosm this point in the story, it feels like it kind of comes to a screeching halt as far, as far as the push goes because of what happens at SmackDown the next night when they tape, uh, the observer said SmackDown like raw the previous night was to be built around the newcomers with the stipulations that they would have a best of three series between DX and the radicals. And if the radicals won, then triple H would have to agree to sign them to a WWF contract. The storyline was that they were to lose to try and portray that they have to earn their way into the WWF, but it didn't go down exactly as planned. Uh, I'm assuming you're at the show, JR and backstage, Eddie's coming off an injury. Was he pushed into the ring too soon? Uh, might've been, I mean, you can look at that that way, I guess, uh, he cleared, he cleared it medically. We would never have put him in a situation that he could hurt himself more if we had known the status of that injury. But he, all those guys were given physicals. Yeah. They're all, all we did all of our due diligence, Paulie. This ain't some ham and egg operation. You know, we, we got it done. <laughs> we got it done, but people still, you know, the, the Meltzer syndrome, but what about, yeah, I'm going to question that, it. Yeah. Jeez, oh, this let me up. Uh, well, let's talk about what happened that night here, JR, and then I'll get your reaction to it. Uh, he said in the first match, X-Pac pinned Malenko with the X factor. 
Uh, the second match ended up being the Outlaws in a non-title match against Saturn and Guerrero. During the afternoon, the plan was to do a singles match with Saturn against one of the Outlaws because Guerrero was a few weeks away from being ready to return, stemming from an elbow injury. So there you go. They somehow wound up doing the tag match anyway, and Guerrero, in delivering the frog splash, appeared to have seriously injured his elbow, and it took them 15 minutes to get him out of the ring, causing him to lose a match he was scheduled to win making the newcomers 0-2 against the WWF stars. They did some mic work to try and redo the stipulations for Triple H versus Benoit in a non-title match, which uh, went as originally planned with a ref bump. Triple H tapping out uh, to the cross face with no ref to see it and then coming back to win uh, using the pedigree. But this just kind of sounds like a little bit of a disaster here with Eddie getting injured so quickly. Bad luck. Bad yeah. luck. Uh, you, can't, you can't plan for it. And it's hard to work around. So it's just a very, very unfortunate. Bad timing doesn't even, that doesn't even describe it correctly. It was horrible timing. Our buddy Meltzer's a little bit critical of uh, kind of what's going on here. And he says the second night by losing all three to WWF talent buried the group that went in with the size and interview strikes against them already. It also destroyed any lore of building up to a Triple H versus Benoit in, in a champ versus champ match since they decided not to acknowledge Benoit leaving WCW as champ. I guess feeling it would give the opposition credibility, even though it would give a lot more credibility to Benoit than the opposition doing that storyline. Very similar to how WCW dropped the ball when it had Bret Hart uh, and failed to capitalize on his real-world champ gimmick upon his arrival. Clearly, if WWF figures it was common knowledge, the nature of the four men's departure from WCW, as it alluded to on Raw the first night, it is far more common knowledge that Benoit left WCW without losing the world title in the ring, something not alluded to and something that could be worth something at the box office if promoted correctly. Let's say, I mean, we're an armchair quarterback and we have a lot of, of things that went down after this. So, so Meltzer again is reporting at this time of when it's happening. And so this question that I'm about to ask you is kind of makes me laugh, but it is, do you think though, at this time they were bearing the group at all? Well, not intentionally, but it seemed that it, it worked out that way. I don't know why we had to get right into a thing with DX. I thought that was ill-timed. You give this guy a chance to get over and, uh, or to get more established with your audience. And we didn't do that. And, uh, it's like a new toy. Can't wait to open it up, tear it out of wrapping and play with it. And, uh, we should have we, getting it out of its wrapping is a good idea, but put in, put it in service to where they're not going to come out on top or not going to look good to me was illogical. Yeah, and Hunter, uh, has gotten a lot of heat over, uh, during this time period, Jr. because he'd beat Benoit coming off his WCW world title win and Taz a few months later when he was still ECW champion. Yes, Hunter is the WWF champion at the time and he's the top heel, but couldn't Hunter and Benoit been built to something more at this point already? Oh yeah, of course. It's too early. It's too early. So, but it, it happened and, uh, I don't think it set well with a lot of talent. Uh, I didn't understand. I, I, I don't look the DX, uh, getting put over by the radicals at the right place at the right time. I'm all for anybody can win. Anybody can lose. That's part of the allure of the magic of pro wrestling or it should be, 
but I don't know, man. I, I just thought it was way premature and, and it was like, we're scrambling around for, uh, you know, uh, some quick fixes and I'm not sure what was broken. And, and as we sit here and talk about it today, obviously, no, the storylines and everything played out and went fine. The guys got their bill. They became world champions, Benoit Guerrero, and it all worked out. So we're, again, we're just looking at this under a microscope of this time period, but also you have to think Jr. we're in the middle of WrestleMania build season time when you're bringing these four people, you know, these four guys in. So that's gotta be different, uh, difficult to figure out a way to capitalize on the debut of these four studs while also building to WrestleMania. Is it not a little bit it's, difficult? It's, it's challenging. Well, just two, just four new talents. Uh, and you know, you're going to, you know, you want to use them. Eddie, unfortunately was not going to be able to go. Uh, but we had the other three to see how that works out. It also gives you the impact that Eddie Guerrero had on that, that group in its entirety. I mean, it's hard to say who was the biggest star in the radicals group. My, for my money, it was Eddie Guerrero. Uh, and not that I didn't like the work of the other guys I've established that I have, I, I did like it. I have respect for it, but, uh, Eddie was the star of the show and it's just too bad. He left us way too soon to fulfill all of his destinies in pro wrestling. JR, here's another question I have for you. Realizing the level that WCW is on at this point, as far as viewers and ratings and things of that nature, do you still think, are you, do you, are you a believer that the WWE had to reestablish who these characters were, who these guys were with their audience for people to actually know who they were? Of course. Or, okay. Of course. And that, that goes for anybody. Established people need to be reestablished. I know that's oxymoronic, but you're always telling a story. You're always adding new content to the description of these television personas. So absolutely the, uh, it was, it was, it's always important. If you're telling good stories, you got a little back, you got there's background that you can do. So, well, I've only got the entrance to get it in. Well, how long is the entrance? Oh, it's about 30 seconds. Well, then what I suggest you do is prepare 30 seconds of content that describes this individual that we see coming to the ring so that I have a better familiarity of who this individual is and why I should like him or her. Well, Jr. Benoit goes on live audio wrestling around this time and talks about the Hunter versus Benoit match. And he says the reason they didn't push the title versus title angles because the WCW title didn't mean anything and had no credibility to start with. He said, because of the way they destroyed the belt, that it meant nothing for him to win it and said he was disappointed because he never got to feud with Bret Hart or Ric Flair as promised to him many times in WCW and said that he only wrestled two world champions during his tenure in WCW mentioning those two by name and said he wrestled others that had won the belt, but he didn't really consider them world champions. Some guys got knocked big time there. Uh, that's just a total burial WCW there, but. I mean, listen, Chris is, is saying what he thinks and what he believes. You got to respect him for his opinion. Always I mean, have always yeah. did talents are better off just being honest and, and dropping their nuts if they have them and becoming and becoming very transparent, communicate. It's much better to, to converse in a, in, in basic communication, basic communication is a skill set that's totally lacking. Uh, are largely lacking in pro wrestling these days. 
And, uh, so I, I believe that you, you gotta, you gotta be honest, you gotta be upfront and, uh, and continue to move forward, evaluating where you are every step of the way. So, uh, I, those guys, uh, they were such a joy to be around too. They were having so much fun, except then when Eddie got hurt, then they all got paranoid. Now what's that mean for our, our, our quartet? Well, there ain't a quartet right now. So it was just a interesting scenario, Polly. interesting time to, to be in talent relations. Well, buddy, listen, these guys would turn heel and, uh, would you agree that was probably the best thing that happened to them was just was becoming that heel faction? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. It gave them a, a it almost gave them a fresh start. You know, uh and I think most wrestlers that I can r- relate to or talk to or reminisce about enjoy being heels more than they enjoy being baby faces. Hence the creative WrestleMania 17 where Austin turned heel which is ill fated to start with. It's like making John Wayne and, and, and cast him in a role in a movie as a Nazi. That ain't gonna work. So uh, this guy was beloved. And then you evaluate, then you underscore his value, but he was beloved and to change that persona makes no sense. At least it didn't to me. And we've talked about that before. So, but those guys being heels kind of fit their little edgy personality because collectively they seem to always walk around in a good way now with a little chip on their shoulder because of what they had to do, how many steps they had to take to get to their destination here in WWE at that time. So, uh, yeah, heels, it was a good, I thought that was a nice move. Do you remember if that was kind of the plan all along JR when they got first brought in, Hey, we'll bring him in, but then we're going to. We're going to make him heal a heel. I don't think it was a plan quick. all along. I think you were, you, you probably, you bring guys in, you see how they acclimate to the locker room. You see how they acclimate to the travel. Uh, you see how they adjust and have they upped their game or do they come in status quo? I'm really good right now. I don't need to do anything extra. That type of thing. You have to step back and evaluate, observe how everything's evolving. And, uh, so what you do is you observe and you make pass a, make a decision. Are these guys better off being heels? Well, the collective uh, sentiment of that was, yeah, we think at this time as a quartet, as a group, they're better off, uh, as a heel group. So that's, that's, that's why I went that way. I mean, you only got two, two sides of the fence. You got a baby face side and a heel side, uh, and I don't want to hear that shit about a tweener tweeners don't draw money. Tell me, give me a list of five tweeners that's drawn a lot of money. It just, you, cause you gotta make that you want the audience to declare pro, uh, as a, you want to declare as a, they are intrigued by this, this antagonist heel, or they're curious and want to know more about this up and upstart courageous baby face. That's right. Give me all the love or give me all the hate. Yeah. That's, that's how it works. Well, listen, if you're tired of feeling like a heel, then quit acting like one and start taking your health seriously. It's time. We all care about how we feel mentally and physically and start to care about our look and overall health. 
And if you find yourself ready to make that commitment, and I'm talking commitment, might we suggest that you consider one of our oldest partners, Athletic Greens. JR, just one scoop gives you 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals. I'm talking improving your gut health, sleeping better, improved focus, What's not to like? This is a slam dunk, isn't it, JR? Yeah, it's a great product. And you know why it's a great product, ladies and gents? It works. It works. And uh, it takes no time out of your day. You got to count pills and stuff like that. It's, you know, it's just, a, it's so simple to execute. And it's, it's, it's almost mindless. Uh, you know, it's just, you get into your routine. So I, I, uh, a big believer that Athletic Greens is, help my gut health and I had issues in that area. So, but I haven't had them. I was trying to think yesterday or maybe the day before the last time I had a stomach ache, I, I don't even remember. And, and it used to be now, I, admittedly, I got 13 inches of my colon removed. So that kind of had a little adverse effect on uh, that matter. Uh, but seriously, I haven't had a, st a stomach ache and I used to have one two or three a week athletic greens is a is a is a lifesaver and you can do it and execute it it's it's affordable but again my main statement was it works it works you, that's right not only that not only for your gut but you get better sleep quality and recovery and it costs less than three dollars a day completely worth the investment and it's received seven thousand five-star reviews, 7,000, more than 7,000 five-star reviews. Of. I mean, my really goodness. Unheard, that's unheard of in this world, Polly. Yeah, only if you're in uh, the Tokyo Dome and Dave Meltzer scoring. But listen, right now, it's time for you to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different horse-sized pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash JR. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash JR and take ownership over your health. You don't have to be a heel anymore. No, you can get on that baby face track and start taking your health seriously pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. It's your greatest gift, folks, our health. You can do something positive about it, no matter your age, do it. Figure it out, figure it out. This is the way to go. There you go. From the voice of wrestling, giving you some of that free advice today. Well, JR, uh, the Raw where they turned heel, we're talking about the big heel turn, takes place on February 7th, 2000, and it's one of the best episodes in Raw's history, in my mind. Uh, the show opens with the Radicals and Cactus Jack coming out, and they turn heel and align with Hunter to get contracts. They attack Cactus. They beat the shit out of him. Uh, and this would build to a main event where Hunter teams with X-Pac and the Radicals uh, with Eddie at ringside taking on Too Cool, Rikishi, and Cactus and the Rock. Uh, the crowd in Dallas is electric, and it's really just one of the best matches in Raw's history. Meltzer would even give it four and a quarter stars, which was very rare back then. Uh, the, fi 
<laughs> the finish would see Eddie's uh, Eddie trip Brian Christopher. Hunter hits him with a pedigree, and Benoit pits, uh, pins him with a headbutt. There's a brawl afterwards, and all of a sudden, Paul Bear, Paul Bear appears on the stage in a red jacket, and Kane's music plays. And once again, the pop is insane. Guys, if you haven't checked this one out, I'm telling you, go back and check it out. It's February 7th, 2000 Raw. And uh, this feels like the peak of WWF Creative right now, man. The crowd's going wild. Uh, does this type of thing sell Vince on these guys that, hey, this was the right investment? Well, I think it would, right? Logically, I so. I'm essentially say he liked what he saw. Now, of course, the bottom, bottom line is going to be the ratings. Uh, but uh, it was aesthetically pleasing. Uh, you described the pops. And uh, you can, if you can remember pops from that far back, they were significant. So yeah, I think he's look, he's going to take, he's going to take ownership of creative, uh, and, uh, like he always did. So, but for him to, for, for the audience to respond like they did had to make him very happy. Listen, we've talked about Eddie and Chris and WrestleMania 20 and the magic that that was, and you've talked about it on the show. Did you see Dean or Saturn? ever main eventing WrestleMania or being top guys, or was it always just, Hey, it's Benoit and Eddie that have it. It's pretty much Benoit and Eddie that you had kind of separated from the pack, but you can never get enough excellent workers. I look at it like a baseball lineup. You know, I don't know that Eddie and, uh, excuse me. I don't know that Dean and Perry were going to be hitting four, three or four or five in a batting order. But I know they're going to be in the batting order seven or eight because you want them in the game. They're that good. But I think, you know, you just, it's just logically, you got to look at the talent as we're judging. And I think most people would agree that the two stars of that entity, that group, were uh, Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit. JR, we've talked about it, you know, in past shows when I've been on with you, you and Conrad have talked about it quite a bit. Not only are you known as the voice of wrestling, but I think something that's not talked about enough is what you have done behind the scenes when it comes to talent recruitment and talent evaluation and the folks that you brought in under your watch back in the day, hall of famers. We could sit here all day and list them from John Cena's and Brock Lesnar's and go on and on Randy Orton's. Do you look at these four and say, man, here is just four more guys. Uh, that as head of talent relations that I was just excited about, it's another crowning achievement. Uh, that I was able to kind of have my hands on and bring in under my watch and have them be immediate contributors. Uh, you got to be thrilled just to see four more guys that, uh, on, on your watch that really delivered for the day. Well, they were handpicked. They're put at the top of the list. There's, you, know, you got to have a recruiting board. You know, the NFL draft, one of my favorite events is coming up in several weeks. I'm a big, uh, draft watcher. And uh, of course now with the Jags, uh, I think they picked 24th or something to add to their, they're roster. getting better, man. So they're not up at the top of the draft anymore. No, they're, 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 uh, they're, they had a great year. Yep. They really, they really had a great year. It was fun to live here. I had never, the only time I've been in a football atmosphere that resembled, uh, the run that the Jags were on is a, a, a big time game in Norman when the Sooners are playing host to some powerhouse, uh, you know, back in the day in Nebraska, uh, we don't play Texas and no, uh, it's not home and home. That's in Dallas. Uh, so 
but you know, Oklahoma state comes to town. Well, there's, there's, there's just the excitement of living in a college town. You feel it. It's everywhere. You look stores from paint, this signs, all these things. It's great. And I think that's, uh, kind of what I felt with the Jags, the city went nuts and they were having a blast. So, uh, the, the goal to get back there obviously is there, but you still got to add some pieces and you always do. So it'll be interesting to see who they draft. It's a very unique draft in my view. Uh, maybe the best players that big defensive tackle from Georgia. I'm not sure, but you know, it's sometimes it's hard for a, uh, put your chips in on a D tackle. If you're the, you're going to invest and in, you know, all that stuff. So we'll see. It's a, but anyway, that's, that was, yeah. we got our guys. We, we got our guys. I was happy to get them. Uh, I was happy that we could do something at that stage of their career after all the traveling, the dues paid and so forth, that they could get some, uh, reward, some benefit from the process. That's great, Jr. And uh, as you said, you can't you you can do you can have all the creative in place. You can have uh, the storyline set, and you can plan for the events. But if you don't have the talent that can go out and execute, then it's only going to carry you so far. And at this time period in the WWF, man, you had the horses, and uh, and you were steering that ship, Jr. We have uh, some fan questions. We're going to jump into if you're ready, ready to do um, this. Yeah, let's go. I like this. All right, question. here we go. The great Galki. He says when Eddie Guerrero dislocated his elbow in his first WWE match, what was the reaction of the office? Did they think the angle was blown, or did Ed, Eddie end up still playing his part as he would have, uh, save for having matches? Well, we no, we steered the course. We steered the course. We kept Eddie was still going to be a focus. He just had to heal. And the great thing is that uh, his injury, albeit serious, uh, was healable in a reasonable amount of time. So we didn't change plans a lot, just delayed his in-ring uh, 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 introduction. Yeah. Look, if, if you had to, well, is Eddie Guerrero going to get rusty? Are you shitting me? <laughs> really? That's All your right. question. So, uh, no, I, I uh, Eddie, Eddie wasn't back except for the physicality component of what he did for a living. All right. Next up, Shefakon. He says, was Nancy done with the business by uh, the time they all signed? Do you think she could have fit in the attitude era? I think she was done. It seems to me like she was yeah. more, uh, committed to raising her son and being a wife than being a valet. Uh, in a wrestling match, I mean, she had done it all. She'd been places. She'd had a great exposure, but, uh, I think she was done. And at least and I, I had plenty of talks to Chris and Nancy. I always, when I call down there, I, lots of times Chris are on the house home phone, uh, Nancy would answer. And so we'd have a little chat and see how things are going. She was close to Jan. They talk about food, both Italian fashion, things like that. Uh, so, uh, I don't think, I think she was done Polly. I think, I think she was ready to move on to the next stage. And obviously the most important stage being a mom, uh, in her lifetime. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, JT's up next and he says, was there a standout in the group that you thought would become the breakout star or world champion material? Alternatively, if you could have hired only one, which one would it have been Eddie? I think I, I think I tried, tried to make that clear. Eddie Guerrero was in a different plane than those other three cats. 
And that's not taking anything away from them. Now, somebody for clickbait is going to massage the comment I just made, uh, and have at it. If that's your little life or this, enjoy, enjoy it. I love it. Uh, seriously. Uh, I've made it clear. Eddie was the top. Eddie was the, the guy once. And, and when you have the, uh, a roster full of guys that are coming to you and saying, man, JR, if I get back to the house shows with Eddie, it'd be great. You know, you're on to something. So Eddie was the guy. Drew Landry's up next. And he says, we all know Eddie was supposed to win that second match in the radicals debut, but didn't do to injury. Uh, why not have him win it anyway? He wasn't going to be in the final match. I never understood why they had to lose all three of those matches. Well, I don't understand it either. It didn't make a lot of common sense, but at the time, I think everybody thought that was the, the only viable option that we had, uh, and you don't want to risk more injury. Uh, you know, they're just, it's just a lot of reasons, but was I for them losing three, three matches? No, I wasn't, but that's how it worked out on that night. And I knew there'd be other nights and, and luckily for us, there were. Kevin's up next. He says, were there roles and vision for the group coming in such as this guy has main event potential. These guys are a solid tag team or we're all for a wait and see approach. We have, we waited and saw the, uh, and evaluated everybody, Paulie, you got to evaluate your, the, the new players that you bring into camp. Uh, and even though we knew them, we knew they could work. How are they in the locker room? How are they in a high pressure situation? Because working in WWE is a high pressure job. And so how are they going to respond? So you want to evaluate that. But I think the talking, you know, Vince and I are fully agreed. He liked Benoit. Benoit had a tryout somewhere upstate New York, I believe, many years ago that Vince was impressed with. Because I think he reminded him of uh, Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Tommy no Billington. Yeah, they had, a, they had a strong physical resemblance and a work rate uh, uh, skill sets. So, uh, but I think. Uh, I don't think you can get too much pushback on the fact that Eddie was the guy. Jeremy Strunk, our buddy, uh, is up next. He says, given the timing of the jump and the fact WCW closed a little over a year later, how do you think it would have changed the invasion angle if these four guys had stayed with WCW and jumped over for the invasion? In my mind, it would have improved the perception of star power to some degree. Probably would have, actually. Probably would have. But, you know, you can't foresee the future. You know, I don't know what they're... WCW's corporate plans are going to be. And I sure as hell never thought they were going to go out of business. I just didn't, I don't know why, but I didn't think so. I thought they had strong enough foundation and roots and structure infrastructure to be, you know, last a long time, but uh, I was wrong. I didn't realize how, how much financial trouble they were in and, but I did, I'd heard through the grapevine cause I negotiated talks to some of these guys, what they're, what they were paying talent. And some of those numbers are fat, really fat. So <laughs> that's why they're, that's why they went out of business. Like yeah, you said, maybe Adam Arpin, our final question this week, JR, he says, was everything I've read Benoit was, uh, was done in WCW on January 17th of 2000. And the Royal rumble that year took place on January 23rd. Were so why, any, was it, why was it in the rumble? Were there any efforts <laughs> to expedite a deal with Benoit or any of the others in that small window to be surprise entrance? You got it. I don't think rumble. so. I don't think so. Uh, too much, too soon, too quick. 
we were de dealing with a major corporation that had a uh, strong legal representation. So the last thing we wanted to do was just to walk on that thin ice and, uh, uh, and, and crash and burn, so to speak. I don't know how you burn in ice, but nonetheless, uh, that's a, it's a metaphor kids. Uh, no, I don't think so. No rush. Yeah. No, no rush. We were just, you know, we, we, I had to get a deal done and to get a deal done, took some cooperation from Turner legal. So there are elements at play and people at play in this equation that I didn't, I wasn't able to quote unquote control. I had to wait and see how things were going to work out. Yes. No, we'll do that. No, we won't do this, whatever. So there's a lot of little negotiation like that uh, ongoing, but it seemed to go as best I recall, it seemed to go pretty smoothly. And understanding all the legal play, you guys also want to have your Royal rumble plans pretty much locked up and in place at this point too. I preferably. Remember. Yeah. Of course, yeah. preferably. Yeah, you yeah. would. So, uh, but the legal issues were the, were the, uh, were the issue. Or the major deal. Well, Jr. listen, next week, Conrad should be, would, can be, it will be back in the captain's chair <laughs> as long as his, as long as his stomach agrees with it. Hopefully he's ch uh, uh -oh. chugging, chugging down those athletic greens. Was that and, a shot at Conrad's stomach? Oh, not at all. I just, I hope that he's feeling better <laughs> and, uh, hopefully, obviously I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. We want him to, uh, to, to get healthy. And I want to hear him say, uh, what's he say when he answers the phone? How are you kind, sir? How are you kind, sir? <laughs> then Dave Silver comes behind him. How are you kind, sir? <laughs> just, just repeating everything he says, huh? A little chirp, chirping uh, right uh, along. Yeah. Uh, well, he's bull Ramos. I think he's the brains around the outfit anyway. So. Oh, he is. He's the brains. He's a, uh, he's a good yeah. guy. Hey, I he's, couldn't have done this without Dave Silver today. I'll tell you that right now. He's a good man. He's he a, good, is a man. good man. Yeah. I'll put uh, him over. He's just a, it looks like fucking bull Ramos. <laughs> <laughs> he, but you know what? He's always got that big smile. It, it, you could just yeah, it's be infectious. You know, you could be cursing him out, making fun of him, and he's just going to keep smiling. I love one of the things like I like that. about him, Paul, is he uh, he enjoys Jr.'s barbecue. Oh, and we're going to talk about that too. We, we got that on the list. Before we get to it, though, real quick, next week the build to WrestleMania continues. We're discussing No Way Out, nineteen ninety eight. The dumpster angle with Cactus and Terry Funk and the New Age Outlaws. Everybody's got to remember the old dumpster coming off the stage on Raw. Yeah, Sean's injury. Hunter Dust drops the European title to Owen Hart. The Quebecers return. We're gonna. It's promoting Shawn Michaels to be on the pay per view, and WWF didn't deliver. The NWA storyline. So much more. Jr. I know you're looking forward to talking all things. No way yeah, out. Those are good days. Those are good days. A lot of moving parts involving viable individuals. And that's what you get here on this uh, podcast, or at least that's what we try to do. Just use my experience and my memory, uh, of, you know, being actually being there. That's right. Not looking on the outside saying, well, here's what Meltzer said. I respect what Dave says. I really do. But I, I don't base my life's opinion on wrestling with Dave. We have difference of opinion on certain, certain things. Uh, but. Be that as it may, it is a lot of cool stuff that we can talk about and that we will talk about. And what you ought to do, Paul, you might remind everybody too, to send in those questions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. There will be social media posts out there for you to chime in with your questions. Take advantage of it. Cause I know Jr. loves the fan questions yeah, uh, from I do. So I like, to, uh, I like to know what people are thinking. That's right. 
Because listen, this show is all about you and what you want to hear about. We're, uh, we're going to try to do our best to to script out the story and make sure it involves all the key details, but we want to hear what's on your minds too. Listen, JR, the other big win is over at ad free shows. You're doing all kinds of bonus content. If you guys aren't a member, I don't know what you're waiting for. You and Cassio are crushing it with some bonus shows over there. You've been watching some rumbles. Uh, so make sure you check out what's going on ad free shows. There's a lot of, of content over there. It's early. It's ad free thousands of hours of bonus content. You've heard the name Gary Juster, right? JR, you've worked with Gary. He's one of my best friends. Sure. There you go. Well, Connor, I just did a show with him over there called on called the insiders and picked his brain about AWA, NWA, all his experience. That's only for our ad free show members. I mean, where else are people going to get that? That's good. Gary is a great source of uh, information, stories, data. Uh, he's a lawyer by trade. I grew up in the Minneapolis territory and AWA territory more specifically. But I, I met Gary when I went to work, uh, uh, for Crockett in the late eighties, he was, uh, I, I would, I would safely say he was Crockett's number one promoter. Uh, he had a lot of the major markets, did a lot of the big pay-per-views. Gary's very, very well, uh, very well, uh, educated yeah. in the entire business. I'm shocked. He's not, not more involved in the pro wrestling business, but you know, he's like a lot of us. Someday you got to look at the thing and say, how many more ribs can you eat? JR, you know, you got to slow down brother. So uh, I love, uh, but Gary's a great guy and I would certainly encourage anybody to listen to him. You'll learn yeah. things and you'll, Oh, I didn't know that, you know, that type of thing. So he's good. Good. That's a good get for Conrad. Yeah, he's doing stuff for MLW now, too, so check it out. Also, David Crockett, who we both uh, know, and he's doing a series with Conrad called The Book, where they're going over the handwritings of, of the book that Jim Crockett literally wrote in as they booked from town to town and the dollars and cents that were made and scratching things out and all that. That, that Since January of 1985, they, he has the books. And yeah, that's pretty cool. That. Yeah, that that's cool? hard to get uh, access to. I've got a ton of material tons of material, uh, like that booking sheets, payroll sheets, all those things. And then once you put them down, uh, and you, they're not in front of mind awareness, you kind of, the kind of the, the bloom comes off the rose, so to speak. So, uh, I, uh, there, there, somebody's going to take advantage of them once I'm gone, I guess. But anyway, it's a uh, pretty cool stuff. It's. It's invaluable. Conrad should actually come to my house and look at all that stuff and, uh, yeah. And, uh, shoot me a number. <laughs> I, I'm always, well, Hey, that's where it's at, man. I'm telling you that stuff's gold and people want to hear and see that. So it's, uh, yeah, all my booking sheets and all my payroll. So some stuff you have to be kind of sensitive of. Yeah. But no, that sounds like, uh, you have your own, uh, treasure chest of information. I, I do. I do. I just yeah. got, I got. I got to, uh, figure out how to manage it yeah. better at some point in time. And maybe when I retire, if I do retire, if, if the good Lord leaves, lets me hang around long enough to continue working, uh, then maybe if I do retire, I may have the time then to unpack it and, and get after it. So I had somebody go through my memorabilia and take pictures of everything I have and, uh, give me a book on uh, all my stuff. And a lot of Jan stuff. I don't know what I'm going to do with so many Louis Vuitton purses, but nonetheless, uh, wow, nice. they're there. 
Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we send Bull Ramus up and he can go through some of your booking sheets. Bull Ramus would be perfect. I think he'd be the perfect guy to do uh, that. I could too. stay at my place. He could, I could feed him. Feed him Wait barbecue. I afford all that. Yeah. I, I mean, no kidding. You better yeah, get a Costco well, we membership. Think about that. We should yeah. think about that deal. Yeah. Not sitting back home with some barbecue sauce. There you go. Listen, follow the show. Twitter handles at JR's BBQ at Hey, Hey, it's Conrad. You can find them on Instagram, Facebook. Listen, go to YouTube, like, subscribe, turn on notifications, grilling JR on youtube.com. You will automatically be notified when new video content drops. I'm telling you, that's where it's at. You want to see JR, the facials, him telling the stories, the graphics that Bull Ramus adds to the video presentation of the show. <laughs> I mean, it's first class, isn't it? Top notch production here, JR. Yep. It's, we do the best we can <clears throat> to yep. take care of our listeners and our viewers. So, uh, it's, it's, it's funny. We're getting better at this process all the time. So it we is, it's, it's evolving. Support. It's getting great. I tell you what I'm, I'm I, like I said, it's been since August and I'm blown away. Uh, but Jr. speaking of blown away, we cannot leave this show without talking about Jr's bbq.com. And I have a bottle of your red ass hot sauce, okay. uh, in, in my pantry. And I'm about to order two more of those mustards. It's my favorite. Yeah. It's pretty good stuff. One gram of sugar. I like that. Can't beat it. I, <clears throat> no, I, that's my mustard. I go, that's my go-to. And, uh, and I think people should give it a shot. If, you, if you're a mustard person, it's jalapeno, jalapeno mash, which is jalapeno, fresh jalapeno in the, in the mustard. So it's jalapeno honey mustard. Oh, and so I, good. and I made sure that we use a, a real high level of honey mustard. So everything in it is top quality. So we mix them together and you hopefully get even more top quality, uh, from that particular product. So, uh, JR's jalapeno honey mustard main event mustard is a, a good offer, good option for you. Uh, I'm glad to hear you're tr testing out the, uh, hot sauce, hot sauce. That's cool. Yeah. Yep. It's selling well too. As a matter of fact, people, uh, you know, it's just amazing what people like and what they don't like and things like that. Uh, but the, uh, and of course. I guess our number one seller is the all-purpose seasoning. You, know, you can use it on so many things that you consume everything from popcorn to eggs to steak. You know, we talked about our steak sponsor earlier. Yeah. Backyard butcher, backyard butcher. There's it's a perfect marriage. There you go. Backyard butcher season with JR's all-purpose seasoning is a hit in anybody at anybody's table match made so, in heaven. Yeah. So we ship every day. We work every day and like it. So uh, check out, uh, .com and, and, uh, like I say all the time, Polly, it don't call it nothing to look. I love that. You're look right. and see what we got. See if there's something on there that interests you. Do you see something on there that would make a good gift idea for the wrestling fan in your life? Uh, or just to try, you've heard us talk about it ad nauseum. <laughs> That's right. Give, give, give it a shot. You know? Do it. It's Valentine's Day is coming up. Tell your spouse you want some JR's barbecue products. I'll get you a gift box. There you a, go. A gift box and it has got everything in it. And while you're at it, tell her to head over to grillingjrts.com and get you some JR's t-shirts like that. Where's my push? Damn it. T-shirt. I love the red ass shirt. You've seen me wear that multiple times and who wouldn't want to cuddle up with a JR buddy. Bull Ramus does. He oh sleeps with God. one every night. Oh my God. Oh my, oh my God. Go ahead. Let's hear it. <laughs> oh my God. There it Connie is. Connie Conrad. I'm not going to put up with this shit. 
<laughs> staff editorializing on our show. Uh, lots of merchandise. Check it out. Listen, JR, I've had an absolute blast. I've missed you, my friend. And this was Thank fun you. going over the radicals. You always do a good job and, and we told it like it was. So that's uh, right. It's a, it, some things are just pretty simple. Keep it simple. Stupid It's the best philosophy in working in a wrestling company. Keep it simple. I love it. Well, listen, on behalf of the voice of wrestling, Jr. Jim Ross, this is Paul Bromwell and Jr. will be back next week with Conrad Thompson for another edition of grilling Jr. And don't forget to join me Friday nights, TNT, 10 o'clock Eastern for rampage. I'm on that show. Can't believe this is real, but Woo Wings, your very own virtual restaurant concept, is now open and fans can enjoy the legendary flavors and world championship wings by ordering with their Uber Eats or Postmates app. Woo Wings is now open in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, as well as Huntsville and Tuscaloosa, right here in Alabama. Many more locations coming soon. As a virtual restaurant, Woo Wings is looking to partner with existing restaurants in major metro areas. Tell your favorite sports bar or local restaurant you want Woo Wings in your town and to visit rickflairwings.com for more information on how to become a partner. But if you're in Nashville, San Antonio, Jacksonville, Huntsville, or Tuscaloosa, hop on your Uber Eats or Postmates app and look for Woo Wings and try the only chicken wings worthy carrying the name of the 16-time world heavyweight champion, Woo Wings. Be sure to check out rickflairwings.com to become a partner. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.